us here. James chapter 1 and verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness lost my place there, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone does or thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to Keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray. Father, would you please be with us in these next few minutes and teach us so that in such a way that we will not be hearers only, but will be doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As, as was mentioned, this is now the second in a four-part series on communication. If you were not here last week uh, and didn't receive a folder for your notes for this series, you can get that folder and last week's notes uh, out in the uh, lobby when you leave. We're going to be covering 11 biblical principles of communication so that we can bridle our tongues, so that we can use our tongues in a godly way. And just to give you a kind of big picture look at these 11 principles, uh, we are using the word communicate as an acrostic and outline uh, for these principles, and each letter of the word stands for the next principle. So last week, the first C was what? Chill. All right, very good. Chill or calm thyself or something to that effect, but just make sure it starts with C or else the whole thing falls apart. Chill. Chill. And as we move on for the next 10, here, here are the next 10 in rapid fire succession. The O is going to stand for open up. M is make time. Another M is mean what you say. U is understand what you hear. N is nourish with grace. I is initiate peace. C is celebrate others. Assume you are wrong. Think the best. And examine your heart. Those are going to be the 11 principles of communication which we are praying will not just change us a little bit as individuals, but will affect us and shape us as a church, as, a, as the people of God, so that the culture 
of this congregation will be marked by these biblical principles and that will spill over into our marriages, into our parenting, into our friendships, into our racial conversations, into the making of peace with others. May God, please, O oh Lord, grant us that grace. As we begin today, I recall the time I was sitting in my office, this is probably 20 plus years ago now, sitting with a couple that I had spent many hours in counseling with. In this particular situation, this was a very angry woman uh, who would not be pleased with her husband no matter how hard he tried to be a good husband. And I remember after hours of counseling, Finally, pausing, looking straight into her eyes, gently but with a sense of urgency, asking her, can you please explain your anger? Is there something that your husband has said? Is there something that your husband has done? Is there some offense, some core root offense that we need to talk about. This is a situation that had gone on for at least 12 years. On this particular evening as I sat in my office, it seems as if the Spirit of God just moved upon her conscience and, and she said, yes, there is. So 12 years ago, my husband made me make a very personal decision that I did not want to make. But he made me make that decision. And I have been furious with him ever since. I'll never forget looking over at the husband and seeing the look on his face which said to me, number one, Yes, indeed, he had made her make that decision. But number two, this was the first time that he had heard about her anger. This was the first time he had heard her say why she was angry. Twelve years of fighting. Twelve years of warfare. Twelve years of hostility. And he said to her, I never knew. And I remember thinking how sad it was that 12 years had been wasted because, well, this particular woman, and in this case a woman, it varies from couple to couple, person to person, argument to argument. But this person failed in our second principle, failed to open up. We need to make a decision in our communication, folks. We need to make a decision in our communication, get this, this is profound, to communicate. We need to make a decision to talk. We need to make a decision to share what is in me with you. 
You see, the fix for blowing up, the issue we talked about last week, the, the fix, the correction that many people try to make for blowing up, for explosive anger and explosive words is they overreact and go way over here and they clam up. They don't say anything. And so instead of open communication, there is quietness. Instead of openness and transparency, there is closedness. There, there is a shutting down of the relationship. As we look at the book of James, there, there, there's a couple things I just want us to notice and just touch on this briefly. If you've, if you've ever read James in its entirety, you will realize that in this book, Pastor James is opening up. Here's a pastor who has some serious concerns about his flock that have been scattered over the world, and instead of silently brooding over it, instead of silently moping around saying, oh, what's the matter with my people? He sends a letter, he opens up, he communicates what's in his heart for their good. I'm fascinated by chapter 5. If you look at chapter 5 and verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. This is a fascinating text. If you're suffering, pray. Say something. If, if you're cheerful, Sing. Sing something. If you're sick, let your elders know. And if you have sinned, confess them. All of these things are open up principles. It's like, like James is saying, if there's any kind of issue going on in your life, any kind of issue going on in your relationships, any kind of struggles, any kind of joys, make sure you're not internalizing them. Let them out. Release them. Open up to others. This, this is a biblical principle in Matthew 18 and verse 15. If your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Notice it doesn't say go to somebody else and tell them his fault. Go to him and tell him his fault. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Or Ephesians 4 and verse 15, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Proverbs 27 verses 5 and 6, and several of these texts are in your outline. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Each of these texts calls for real, open, transparent, authentic communication. Whatever it is going on in here needs to come out. And Understand the point. It's open up. It's not open fire. There is a difference. 
Don't hear me wrong. Remember last week, chill. Don't open fire. Don't turn your guns on others and just say, I'm just being real here. I don't want to be fake. Oh, I hear this. I don't want to be fake, so let me just explode and blow your head off. You know the phrase, let's just call a spade a spade? Dates way back, hundreds of years, a spade being a shovel. You just call a shovel a shovel. And You ever hear people who say, I just believe in calling a spade a spade. Just call it what it is. You ever notice that it's always somebody else's spade that they're calling? That they don't do that with themselves. They're always blunt and straight talking with others. This, this is not an invitation to go on the attack. This is not an invitation to go blunt and mean and ruthlessly, ruthlessly attacking. No, communication of the kind that yields understanding and binds hearts is not bluntly ruthless. It is gentle, but it is open. The first communication sin was blowing up. The second communication sin is clamming up, is shutting up. God says, no, live openly. Remember last week I gave you a little poetry? I said for the first point about chilling, to keep from war in little spat, turn down the anger, thermostat. This week, point, the O point, the main point in poetic version, to hide the heart and spirit close does far more harm than we suppose. To hide the heart and spirit close does far more harm than we suppose. It does harm to our relationships when we hide our hearts, when we close our spirits, when we are silent. Friends open up, even when it's not easy. We had an interesting question. There were two or three questions that we didn't get to at the end of last week. One of the questions that came in was about teasing and busting on each other and what to do when that kind of thing happens, especially if uh, one happens to find it hurtful. You see, the thing about teasing and uh, that kind of thing is that for some people in the kind of relationship they have, when that is done in good fun, it is actually a bond of affection. It can actually bind hearts together. But for others, due to any number of real factors, that same teasing, that same busting can wound, it can hurt. So what do we need to do? Well, on the one hand, those who tease need to be careful. They need to be guarded. But on the other hand, those who are wounded by the teasing need to open up, need to make sure that they share that, not in wrath or accusation, but share it humbly, share it gently so that others can know so that others can ask forgiveness, so that others can change. In all of our key relationships, there needs to be open lines of conversation, actual talk that flows. But in so many of our key relationships, there isn't very much of that at all. We just go about the business of our life and we kind of cross like this, and the opening up 
seldom, if ever, happens. And, and folks, this isn't just about sins or things that have gone wrong. This, this is about good stuff, too. With the key relationships in our lives, opening up, sharing our wounds, our hurts, our concerns, yes, but it's about sharing our dreams, our joys, our hopes, our insights. Relationships grow as we open up. You know, I, I'm just being open with you. I love peanut butter. I love peanut butter. I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I love the peanut butter thicker than the combined bread. With lots of jelly on it, preferably jam of some sort. I, I love it sticky, I love it thick, I love it sweet. But it wasn't until three years ago, mind you, that was 37 years into married life. It wasn't until three years ago that Galen realized that my favorite peanut butter was Jif. And what this meant? was that for 37 years, I was getting inferior peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> it's unacceptable. <laughs> but I can't blame Gaylene. You know why? Because I never told her. For 37 years, I kept my dream of a <laughs> Jif peanut butter and jelly sandwich to myself. And I hurt myself in the process. You see, life gets sweeter, in some ways scarier, because this concept of opening up makes you a bit vulnerable. But life gets most sweet when we are most honest and open. And so this second principle is one that is almost, um, almost should go without saying, but for some strange we reason, we humans need to have it said. We need to chill and yet open up. Third principle, make time. Make time. I won't make too much time for this principle because I want to get to the next one. But it's a, it's a simple principle. It, I, could, I could base it in the book of James in different ways. Uh, but in, I'll, just, I'll just say it's kind of a common sense principle. In, in order to communicate with somebody, you have to make time to be with that person. In, in Amos chapter 3, in the ESV, it says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet. New American Standard puts it like this. Do two men walk together unless they have made an appointment? You've got to make time if you're going to have meaningful relationships and communication. This is common sense that isn't commonly practiced. But it's a reality, and, and you see it in Scripture. Jesus, all the time he spent with his disciples, Elijah with Elisha, Moses with Joshua. You can't have relationship without time. We get into an interesting conversation on what's more important, quantity time or quality time. It'd be interesting to get the responses. Most people, I think, in today's world would say quality time. I would argue you can't have quality time unless you have quantity time first. Quantity produces quality. If you've had 
quantity time, if you've had lots of time with somebody, then following that, it's amazing how quickly you can have quality time. But you'll, you can't get to the quality, except in rare situations, unless there's time committed to it. The main point in poetry form, talk takes time, so choose to plan how much and when as best you can. Talk takes time, so choose to plan how much and when as best you can. Let me just give you two quick take-homes for this, all right? Number one, schedule time for the priority relationships in your life. Schedule time for the priority relationships. You, you can't wing it when it comes to these priority relationships. If you're married, make sure there's time scheduled to be with each other. You have children, make sure there's time scheduled to be with those children. If you have dear friends in the Lord, make sure there's time scheduled to do that because the way life works, the things that are priorities, the relationships that matter often get bumped. You've heard of the tyranny of the urgent. Whatever is urgent, whatever's happening right now, whatever's right in front of me has a way of making me forget what should be right in front of me. And so we have, to, we have to plan for this. I'm going to appeal to you husbands and dads, take initiative here. As, as heads of your household, take time to plan how you're going to make time for your wife, how you're going to make time for your children. Work on a calendar, work on a schedule, make sure it gets done. When our, we had six children and we had at one stretch where we had four children that were five and under. And... And finding time to just sit and talk with Gaylene was a hard thing to do. And so we, we came up with this plan that right after dinner, we'd clean up the dishes, clean up the kitchen, and then we'd grab a cup of coffee back in the day when we could still drink coffee that late in the day. We would grab a cup of coffee, and, and we'd tell the kids, you go to that end of the house, we're going to that end of the house. Don't interrupt us unless somebody is bleeding and dying. This is mommy and daddy time. This, this is our time. We, we wanted our kids to know that we had a priority for each other and we had a commitment to each other. So we planned it. We scheduled it. Folks, we need to do this or else things that are not as important will squeeze out what's most important. Secondly, a great way to make time is to do table time. Table time in the family, with the family, and practice hospitality with people that are not in your family. The wonderful thing about that is you accomplish two things at once. You eat and you talk. You, you're going to eat anyways, so you might as well plan it in such a way that you're sharing that meal with others and in so doing, you are making time for communication. So C is what? Chill. O. M. Make time. Second M. Yeah. Mean what you say. Mean what you say. Mean what you say. I've... I've Read somewhere, I don't know if I've shared this with you before or not, 
I've read somewhere that if a man says, if a man, adult male, I'm talking about here, if, if a man says, I can't find it, what he really means is something like, when I opened my eyes and what I wanted had not fallen comfortably into my outstretched arms, I had no idea what to do next. I can't find it. When I first read that, I, it, it gave me a flashback to early years of married life. And the more I think about this, the more I almost hesitate to share it because it's pathetic. But I remember times when I wanted the ketchup. Before I got to the fridge... Before I opened the door, I was sending my voice down to the other end of the house where Galen was, asking the question, where's the ketchup? Any of you guys ever done that? All right, there's one honest man in this. <laughs> the rest of This point is, mean what you say, that means... Don't tell lies. How many of you guys have ever done something similar? Okay, that's much better, guys. <laughs> much better. We're going to have confession time at the end here. For... So, so I, I, I have not even opened the door to the fridge. I haven't, you know, bent over to look into the fridge. If I had, if I had paused to think for even 20 seconds, three, one second. I would have known where the ketchup was. What, what, what was I really meaning? I wasn't asking where the ketchup was. I was saying, get the ketchup. I was saying, in effect, hey, hon, please wait on me hand and foot. Where's the ketchup was not what I meant. The Scriptures call us to mean what we say. To be truth tellers. In James 5 and verse 12, James echoes the teaching of his half-brother Jesus and the message that Alex preached just a couple of weeks ago. Above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Mean what you say. Be people of integrity and clarity. Do not lie to one another. Colossians 3 and verse 9. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Folks, this is more than a call to just tell the truth. It is that. We are to mean what we say. We are not to lie to each other. We're not to spread lies about each other. Because lying undermines relationships. Lying breeds distrust. Lying shatters the foundations of our relationships. But this is not just about lying. This, this is about speaking the truth 
in such a way that the words that come out are not only honest, but they are accurate to our feelings, to our heart. They clearly express what we are really thinking as clearly as we possibly can in that moment and as that relationship and circumstance requires. It's not just honest communication, it's clear communication. Fuzzy communication, vague, cryptic, hidden meanings are pretty much equal to lying. If I have it in my power to speak more clearly so that you can understand more easily and more accurately, then I need to exercise that gift and speak more clearly. It is up to me to make sure that I am as clear as I can possibly be, that I mean what I say. Here's, here's the main point poetically expressed. Being heard, have you ever felt like you haven't been heard? Being heard depends on you. Don't get me wrong, there are times when people don't hear. There are times when you could be the clearest speaker in the world and they'd still mishear. But largely and often, being heard depends on you. Make all your words both straight and true. Being heard depends on you. Make all your words both straight and true. Someone asked last week at the end, uh, if it's a sin to be misunderstood. That's an interesting question. I'm not sure I've ever been asked that question before. Is it a sin to be misunderstood? Let me say this. I believe it's a sin to be misunderstood if the misunderstanding was our fault. If, in fact, we were careless and thoughtless in what we said and in how we said it. Our job if we're going to mean what we say, speaking the truth in love is to say what we need to say with as much integrity and care as is possible. This takes two forms. One, we need to express carefully what we mean. Choose the right words. Here's a life verse for you. If you want a verse to memorize, if you want a verse to, to kind of you know, hang over the entirety of your life and relationships. Proverbs 15 and verse 28 says this, The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. Folks, that's the same Hebrew word, translated ponder here, that is used in Psalm 1 where it says, Blessed is the man who meditates on the law of God day and night. Same Hebrew word. We are to meditate on how to answer. The heart of the righteous thinks carefully before he speaks, but he says, the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The word actually can sometimes mean just belches forth evil things. 
the righteous heart ponders how to answer. So think before you speak. Choose your words carefully. I have these questions in your outline. Are these words truthful? Are these words balanced? Are these words clarifying or confusing? Are there better words I can use? How would I interpret these words if they were spoken to me or if I was in other shoes? Do, do my words and my tone and my attitudes match? Those are questions to ask to, to make sure that you mean what you say. And then make sure that you don't say things that you don't mean. I wish I had time to really go into this, but there are words that we use frequently in our relationship that we really don't mean. One pair of them is the word never and always. If you're familiar with the old movie Princess Bride, there's a line there that fits I don't think those words mean what you think they mean. Never and always. What does never mean? Very good. Never. Not ever. What does always mean? Always, as in never ceasing. And in our relationships, this happens teens to adults, this happens husbands to wives, you never help me around the house. You always respond to me that way. Both are lies. I was sitting in my counseling room years and years and years ago, and the, the uh, one person, uh, the, the mom wife said to the husband, you never help me with the kids. And I gently interrupted. Uh, this is the next point. You understand what you hear. I said, okay, I need to understand what I just heard. What do you mean by the word never? Do you, does it mean that your husband never helps you with the children? Well, I'd not never. Okay. Can you help me understand how often he helps you with the children? Is it once a month, once a week, once a... Oh, no, once a day anyways. And I said, do you realize the difference between never and once a day? It's huge. One of our children watched one day as Galen was taking some toys up into the attic, and um, our youngest child at that time said, um, what are you doing with my toys? And, and Galen said, you never play with them anymore. And he paused, and he thought, this was as a five-year-old, he says, never's a long time. <laughs> it's a long time. It's a long time. Yeah, never is never. See, the problem with those words, folks, and you know it. That's why we use these words. Those words are explosion words. Those are dynamite words. Those are words that turn a disagreement into an argument. They are words that put other people on the defensive. They are words that make other people say inside, that isn't true. And they feel slandered. They feel lied against. And they get defensive. And it, usually it turns right around. Well, you always do this. And back and forth it goes. Don't use words you don't mean. Mean what you say. There's so much more. There's this. There, there, you don't have time. I need to, need to leave some space for Q&A here. Uh, so much more that could be said. So many other words. Folks, we need to mean what we say. In two minutes, let me wrap it up like this. 
as I have pondered these things, they have, they have made me think about God. Think about the first principle, chill, slow to anger. I think that's what my God and Father are like. It's what Jesus is like. Oh, so slow to anger. I'm so glad he's patient with me. Open up. Aren't you glad that God has opened up to us? Aren't you glad that God is a speaking God? That God is a God that communicates through His Word and in our conscience and through creation? Aren't you glad that you're not left in the dark to wander in this crazy world with no clue of how to live or who to love or who to trust or how to get to heaven? Aren't you glad that God has opened up? Make time. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He is with us all the time. And you know what? He's making an eternity for us so that we have infinite time to be with Him. And mean what you say. Aren't you grateful that God is a God who can be trusted? That when He says it, it's going to happen. He's a God who cannot lie. This is a God in whom we can trust. This is a God to whom we can run. This is a God with whom we can have a relationship that is secure and settled forever and ever. So make sure that you're not just hearing a bunch of rules here. Make sure you see beyond the rules to see the God whom these rules reflect. We're really just talking about being like Jesus. So may it be that God gives us grace to live like him. Let's pray. Father, would you please make us, as I prayed earlier and read earlier, make us those who are not only hearers, but doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Great, we've got some excellent questions this week. Um, so I thought it'd be good to pick one that continues kind of a conversation you brought up from last week, the teasing question. Um, so what happens when you open up and ask a person to stop teasing you, but they continue to do so? I would, I would think that the, the answer to that would be similar to any offense or grievance or sin or insensitivity that anyone commits against you that uh, maybe happens the second time or the third time or the fourth time. And maybe you've asked them once, twice, three times, four times to stop. There are moments in our relationships where people will either refuse to hear or just for whatever reason not be able to hear um, and those call for great patience I wouldn't be silent it's not a time to stuff it it's not a time to stew on it uh, we're going to talk about initiating peace at a later point and remember what Paul says in Ephesians 4 don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So if, if there is a situation like this where somebody is sinning against you, whether it's teasing or any number of other things, 
Uh, you need to take some initiative to, to try to reason with them, explain to them, help them see why this is a sensitive issue for you, and plead with them to change. I think, I think you'll find that many will respond well to that. Uh, there will be some who don't, and in those cases, depending on the nature of it, depending on how severe it is, uh, you know, it, some, yeah, I start thinking about bullying, and I start thinking about some of the expressions of teasing that go on in our culture. Uh, and uh, we want to be very careful. That, I mean, teasing is a dangerous thing to begin with. You've got to really be careful with it. We also have to be careful in how much we just kind of cover over it on the receiving end of it. If it's, if it's something that continues, Matthew 18 might suggest that you get somebody else and go with you to help talk to that person. Uh, and to, to kind of raise the bar just a little bit with that person and say, look, this really is grieving me. This really is offending me and hurting me. Please stop and bring somebody along to bear witness and to speak into that. Many times that will, that will be enough, especially among believers. That'll be enough to, to help that person see uh, but get help with it if it just continues and continues. Get help with it. Get other people to be a part of it. Uh, because, you know, the Scriptures do tell us love covers a multitude of sins. But that doesn't mean that love goes on covering for others. Um, there are times when, when, when the offense is such that it has deeply wounded you or the offense is such that it just keeps on happening, it has to be addressed. It has to be addressed, or it's only going to get worse. So uh, don't, don't be quiet about it. Don't be hostile, but don't be quiet either. I hope that, hope that helps. Yeah. I'd only add, um, I think, you know, Matthew 18 is a real good verse for communication to just be studying. And there can be a time when maybe someone's teasing with you where you've made it obvious that it's affecting you where it can shift from unintended to intended sin. Um, and in that moment, uh, it can be good to bring in a brother or sister to, to sort of say, hey, can, can we have some accountability in here? Maybe get somebody else's perspective who's in that group uh, if, there, if it's more than just you and that other person. So another question we've got here. Um, Tim said to share with others when we're suffering, but are there times when we can share too much? Yes. Um, yes, you, you can. Um, one, of, one of the things that you know, I've observed through the years is that in community, in community groups, in circles of friendship, in gatherings, I'm sure you've noticed it, that sometimes there are people who are always talking. Um, John Bunyan in Pilgrim's Progress had a character whose name was Talkative. He was just always talking, just always talking. And there are, there are those whose, whose um, way is to just keep on talking about their problems, about their struggles, about their challenges in a way that doesn't seem to be helping them or helping anyone else around them. 
um, if if it's if it's there's there's a there's a talking about our sufferings and sorrows that is helpful. I, uh, um, a few weeks ago in our community group, uh, I I just felt a burden pressure in my own spirit to share with uh, the folks that were in our group the fears that I was facing. I was uh, uh, fear of failure, fear fear of people, fear of man, fear of persecution, uh, fear of ministry-wise blowing it. Just, you know, I just went through with the folks. Just, I'm really struggling here with fear. I, I just... I, I, I have a measure of it that I carry with me all the time, and uh, it was good to share. It was it was um, it was a moment of opening up. It just it just pressed in on my heart that day. And um, now, if I came back and did that again next week, and then again next week, and again the week after that, then that becomes that's really become selfish. I'm the one looking for all the care. There are others who need to share too. Uh, there's a for 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 the sake of others, you can talk about your sufferings too much, and you can also, if if you, if you're always focused on the sufferings, and I don't mean this to sound cliched, but there's some part of this that we have to catch. If you're always focused on the sufferings and never looking above the sufferings to the Savior, to to Christ, to the one who gives you grace for those sufferings, then you're, then you're just sinking lower and lower into the sorrow. Um, that's why it is good to share because you probably need other people to help lift your eyes because we get stuck in the pain. We get stuck in the pit. And that's why we need fellowship. That's why we need other believers to, to, to help us see things we're not seeing. Um, so, yeah, you can do it too much, but I, I think we have... You know, in our relationships, we have those, we have those who perhaps do it too much. I think we probably have more who don't do it enough. Um, and so just be mindful of your own ten- tendencies, but realize that at the end of the day, we all need to be transparent. We all need to share. Uh, if you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing. If you've sinned, confess it to others. And... Uh, Probably enough. So on that other side, you said we're probably mostly in that area of not opening up enough. How can you help a person who doesn't want to open up despite your efforts? First thought that comes to mind is model what you want to see in others. So be vulnerable yourself. Be, if you're with somebody who is never open, make sure you're opening up. And, and just in the course of that relationship, you consistently share with others what's going on in your life, what your needs are, what your circumstances are. I think often that, over time, gives to others a sense of freedom to open up. Um, there may be times when you need to go beyond that and say, hey, is there one thing I can pray for? That's a, that's a really helpful kind of icebreaker when it comes to these things. You know, as you, as you meet somebody, greet somebody, just say, can I pray for something for you this week? 
and they just give you one thing to pray for. Well, that's a little bit of opening up. That's, that's a little bit of vulnerability. So, you know, make sure you're modeling it yourself. Ask people what you can pray for. Encourage people when they are transparent to say, hey, brother, sister, it was good. That was an expression of faith in the Lord and, and uh, trust, and I'll be praying for you that, and I'll be encouraging you that. I'm sure there's more, but that... Yeah, no, that's excellent. Thoughts. I think, you know, we, we, the simple things are helpful. Even just praying for that person and not giving up and yeah. lifting that person up. You know, there's practical things we can do to help each other, but really we need the Spirit of God, right, to break us, to open up our hearts, and to really allow us to experience the, the wonderful intimacy and the fellowship of the saints that God intends for us. Well, we're out of time, so I want to um, just encourage you guys as we head out today um, in this category of opening up that's been coming up a lot through these questions um, to apply, even just before today's over, to open up with each other. If there's someone that you've been trying to, to help open up, you know, try again today. Renew yourself in prayer today. Um, to just an application of our sermon. So um, in just a moment, the guest reception will start directly out the doors. I'll be out there with you. So if you have not yet been to the guest reception, even if you were first-time visitor a couple weeks ago, I'd love to see you back there, let you know a little more about the church. Let me just pray for you guys as we head out today. Father, we thank you, Lord, that despite our communication blunders and failures and, and ongoing sins, Lord, you love us. And you have grace for us this week to help us to grow in love for each other and in understanding each other, Lord, so that we might experience the oneness that we have in Jesus Christ. And so we pray for true unity, for true growth, for true um, sanctification this, this week in our church. Would you be with us? In Jesus' name, amen. Church, have a great rest of your Sunday.